Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. Through this podcast, we hope to challenge and equip you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus and in living and loving like Him. Some of God's most beautiful miracles and greatest work is especially evident in the aftermath of our darkest and most painful experiences. After the dark days of the crucifixion of Jesus, light breaks forth in His resurrection. After hurt is healing, after brokenness is mending, after death is life. Through this series, we are learning to pay attention to how God is moving and growing our faith in and for the aftermath. Well, good morning, church. It's good to say that and hear people say it back. All right, I'm not going to waste a lot of time. We're going to dive in, okay? Because if... uh, If you didn't wake up with a heavy heart this morning, then you're not paying attention. No matter what your opinions on, these things that are happening in our world are, no matter where you stand, and just, can we, can I just say like, oh man, one of the things that this has revealed is we're not willing to see where somebody else stands. We're only worried about where we are. If there's anything that's been revealed, and and that didn't start with the things that have unfolded over the last few days. That's something that's been very evident in our culture for a while, is it's either we can't or we refuse to see somebody else's perspective. And as long as we are not willing to step out of our own perspective and see the perspective of somebody else, we'll never really value people the way God does. Y'all can say amen and y'all can clap in the room. I've missed it a little bit, okay? Like I woke up this morning and my heart's just heavy of what we're seeing happen all across our world. And knowing that that I'm gonna come in here this morning and and have the opportunity to preach, not just to a few people, but if anything that this has taught me in this season is knowing that these cameras are now pointed at me and, and my voice is online for other people to whether stumble across or come across intentionally, like the weight of my words are very heavy in my consciousness right now. That this platform that God has given our church and this opportunity that he has given us, not just to be a voice in our community anymore, but be a voice to our world, I don't take that lightly. And the responsibility I feel to speak into what I see happening in our culture is as heavy as it's ever been. This season has revealed a lot about our culture, hasn't it? See, times of adversity, they're they're revealers. You never know who people are or what's really happening until, until you bump up against adversity. It just exposes things, doesn't it? And can I just say that a lot of what I feel like this season has revealed about our culture makes me sad? Everybody's got one of these now, right? Don't you have a love-hate relationship with your phone? Yes. And, and, and the, the love and the hate goes back and forth. And you know, here's the thing. I, I, I hear our world is so broken, but the more, I, the more I read scripture and the more I even study history, um, our world has been broken for a really long time. 
We're in a series called The Aftermath. The reality is the aftermath didn't begin when coronavirus started. We've been in the aftermath since Adam and Eve made the decision to disobey God and sin broke the world. We've been living in the aftermath of the fall all of our lives. And the moment sin entered the world, it was as broken as it would ever be. Are you with me? The thing that we have now is these things allow us to see it more frequently. See, for a while, we were able to live in our little bubbles. And the world was only as broken as your bubble would show. But now, because of these devices, they, they give us a window that for some reason we can't close. And if I'm honest, when I pick this thing up, I very rarely lay it down without feeling sad. Because every time I pick up this phone, I think, I see, I hear, I read the two things that breaks God's heart the most. Every time I pick up this thing, every time I scroll through my Facebook feed, my Instagram feed, even, even news apps, I see the two things that I believe break God's heart the most. Those two things, hate and hypocrisy. If it ain't one, it's the other, constantly. People in the room, can you say, do you feel me? That I can barely, I can barely pick up my phone without seeing those two things constantly on display. It's either hate or hypocrisy or both. And the two things that are breaking our world more and more is the elevation of hate and the spread of hypocrisy. Oh, you think, and I'm talking about people who claim Jesus. <laughs> and that's what's most heartbreaking. It's can I be honest? Some of the things that have broke my heart the most have come from posts of people that sit in this room. Now, I'm not talking about any in the room right now. I'm just saying. <laughs> people that sit in churches, people that claim Jesus, people who will one day post scripture and the next day post something that's very contrary to the very word of God. I came to preach today because it's Sunday and I ain't preached on a Sunday in a while and so here we go. And I know that like everybody's thinking, like what, what do we do? How do we fix it? And it's like, what's, what's scary is everybody wants to be understood but nobody wants to be understanding. Everybody wants to be heard, but nobody wants to listen. And I'm thinking, God, help us. But the, the reality is, what will heal the hate and what will give us the strength to overcome our hypocrisy we already have. Do you hear me, church? We already have. Like, like, 
we're looking for something that already exists. We're just not tapping into it. We're just not leaning into it. Because see, in, in the aftermath of the fall, God had already had a plan to fix what the fall would break. The whole, I don't know how it will happen, but I know where it begins. I don't know how all this world's issues will be resolved. I don't know how we, we, we completely eradicate racism. I don't know how we completely get rid of the hypocrisy among our own selves. I don't know how we're going to get there, but I know where it starts. And it starts with Jesus. That it's not about the right politician. It's about a person named Jesus who sent, was sent by our Heavenly Father to this world to be the sacrifice necessary to heal us from the brokenness that's pushing us towards these evil behaviors. And for far too long, we've worried more about strategies to treat the symptoms instead of looking to the Savior who is the solution to it all. like we know that it's there we know that and, and sir, so anybody that's thinking I'm making this too simplistic that's the that's the last thing I'm trying to do but this is like all the world's issues come from a brokenness internally and the only thing that heals that internal brokenness is Jesus are you with me like before anything can change out here it has to change in here. It's Jesus. And we've known that for thousands of years now. Haven't we? Like I'm, I'm not preaching something new. This isn't breaking news. This is something that, that we know. And the reality is Jesus is the solution but his people are the vehicle to get that solution to the people of the world. And the problem, the problem has never been with the solution. Maybe the problem has been with the vehicle. Am I making sense to anybody in the room? Am I making sense to anybody online? If you're online, put it, amen in the chat box. I'll go back and look at it later just so I'll feel better about myself. Because see, the church... Jesus came and he lived and he taught us and he showed us all these things and God preserved all the things that were necessary for us to know about his life and the things he taught by giving us his word. But then before Jesus left this planet, he looked at the church, not, not a certain church, not a specific church, all of those who would really believe in who Jesus is and said, your job now is to take everything that you've seen and heard in me to the world. We're supposed to be the, and, and so when I look around the world and see what's happening, I have to ask, are we really doing our job? Right? See, there's a lot of people right now, we're posting about all these things and we're saying, and let me just say, when you post from a position of ignorance, you can never say anything of value. That should have got three amens at least in the room. Hopefully they got some online. But it's like we're looking out there when the fix begins in here. Church, we gotta do a better job. We gotta do a better job of getting Jesus into the world because we can't say Jesus is the solution 
and keep failing to get the solution to the places that matter, the places where it's most needed. See, today, today is a very appropriate day. It's not by coincidence or accident that the first time we are having people back in this building on a Sunday is Pentecost Sunday. And if you didn't know that, today's Pentecost Sunday, the day we celebrate the day that God gave us the Holy Spirit that would empower his church to accomplish its mission. And the, the accomplishment of the mission has always been dependent much more on the spirit than all the other strategies that we've tried. And maybe that's part of the problem. We've leaned more on our strategies than his spirit. That on today's the day of Pentecost. And I've always been fascinated with the book of Acts. Because if you read it, and if you've never read it, take some time, read it. Go Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, go in the book of Acts where you see literally the Acts of the Apostles and you see the church in its infant stage and you see this, this movement that was put in the hands of what even Scripture says, ordinary dudes, unskilled, uneducated, ordinary men. And as this thing starts happening, the day of Pentecost comes and Peter steps out and he preaches this gospel message. And the next thing you know, thousands of people start coming to Jesus. And this movement just keeps rolling and rolling and rolling. And even after you see the day of Pentecost, go with your Bibles, go to uh, the next chapter in chapter three, chapter four, chapter five, go into the book of Acts, pick up with chapter three. Because the day of Pentecost wasn't just it. it. This wasn't just like a flash in the pan, real quick movement that just pops open and then you never see it again. It, it begins just to continue to move forward. And I want you just to look at how it begins to grow. Acts chapter 3, pick up with verse 1. It says, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. Pick up verse three. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man then gave him their attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And this healing would become one of the things that would spark the movement into its next phase. Peter and John, they weren't going on with, with the intentions of necessarily having this miracle happen. It wasn't planned. It wasn't on the agenda. They didn't wake up and think, today, here's what we're going to do, Peter. All right, we're going to go. We're going to heal somebody. We're going to go find the, 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 the most broken person we can and heal him. You know what happened? They were paying attention. They were just going about their life. They were going to pray and an opportunity came and they took advantage of it. See, from the onset, 
The movement of God has always advanced when the people of God look at those that everyone else would rather overlook. People, there, there were people every day that saw this man sitting in the temple and this is what they did. They just stepped over him and went about their lives because it was easier, because his issues were more complicated than they thought they could handle. And so it was just easier to walk past him, to overlook him, to just keep moving on. And I wonder if we've adopted that same mentality. We look at the world and we see all the issues and they seem so far beyond what we can do that instead of just trying to allow God to use us and move through us, it's easier just to move on. And the world stays broken. And I love what happens. Did you hear what it says? It says, Peter and John, they looked straight at him. They looked straight at him. They saw him. Church, we will never change people until we are willing to see people. We will never see God do amazing things in the lives of people. We just continue to make the conscious decision to ignore because they're different than us or they scare us or whatever it might be. Looked at him. And then I love what, <laughs> silver and gold we don't have. We don't have what you want, but we know who you need. We don't have what you want, but we know who you need. And that their goal, their first goal was not even to heal his body, but to introduce him to Jesus. Because they knew, like I said last week, healing always starts with Jesus. That you can fix all the external things, but if the internal things aren't resolved in the only way that it can be resolved, we will remain broken. And I think even as a church, sometimes we've gotten to this place where we've gotten so consumed with meeting people's physical needs so we can pat ourselves on the back that we've neglected their spiritual needs and allowed them to actually experience real healing. People need more than a sandwich. They need a savior. I'm not saying we don't give them the sandwich, but if we give them a sandwich without giving them a savior, we just leave them as broken as they were when we found them. That this thing is advanced. You know what they don't? What I never see in all of Acts is the apostles determined to drag people to church. They were more concerned with introducing people to Jesus than dragging people to church. And now look, I know at church people can find Jesus. I get that. God can leverage his church to introduce people to Jesus. But sometimes I wonder if we're just so consumed with dragging people here than introducing them to him. And those things are not always the same thing. We'd rather people look like us and think like us than live and love like him. And something has to shift. And this, this healing of this man creates a ruckus and people start gathering around Peter and, and they want to know like what happened? How, how did this happen? How did this, this thing happen? Look at chapter three, verse 11. 
It says, while the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. Verse 12, when Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness that we had made this man walk? See, at every turn as this thing grew, the apostles had the opportunity to hijack the credit, to hijack the glory that only belonged to God. And they say, it wasn't us. It wasn't about us. It wasn't anything that we did. Like, we're not good enough. We don't have magic powers. It wasn't because I preached real good. It wasn't because our music was great. It wasn't because all these other external things that are great and tools that we use. But what really happened to him is what happens to anybody who really finds healing. Look at verse 16. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is in Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that he is completely healed as you all can see. How did this happen? How did a man so broken for so long find healing? Because we got him to church. Because we got him to convince that he should get up every Sunday morning at 7 o'clock and put on a navy suit, put peppermint in his pocket, and walk in our doors. And again, don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. There's something beautiful about the church when it's done for Jesus, when the only agenda is the glory and power and majesty of his name. But when it's more about our fame than his name is where we get it wrong. And I, and I just wonder if some of the things that preach right now, some of the things that are happening in our culture are more about us than him. us than him. And this thing begins to swell and it begins to grow and people start taking notice and they, they want to know like how is this happening? What, and look at, go into chapter 4 verse 7 because see all the religious people know that something unique and something special and something strange is unfolding and they want to know like how is this happening? Because it was undeniable. When somebody's life gets radically changed by Jesus it's undeniable. When who somebody was is no longer who they are because of what Jesus has done. And there's testimonies to that all in this room and all out there and all across our communities that you are not who you used to be. Why? Because you came to church? No. I hope that helped. But it was because you found Jesus. And maybe the church was the pathway that introduced you to Jesus. But the, who, the one who gets the credit for the change is not the church. It's the church. Then we're just in trouble. It's the Jesus that the church pointed you to that deserves all honor and all glory and all credit. They want to know. Look at it. Verse 7, chapter 4. It says, They had Peter and John brought in before them and began to question them, By what power or by what name did you do this? How did this happen? How did this happen? 
how did this man who was broken get fixed? See, that's the question that we're asking right now, right? How, is a, how do we fix the broken world that we're in? That's the question that we ask. And, and like, he was a man who was broken and he got whole. He got well. We need to know how. Verse 8, chapter 4, says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, If we're being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this. You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. You want to know how this happened? You want to know how a broken man was healed? You want to know how somebody who for over 40 years was limited by something wrong with his physical body. You really want to know? I don't know if you're going to like the answer. It was Jesus. Jesus is the reason. Jesus is how it happened. Jesus is the one who made him whole. It was Jesus who fixed him. It was not us. It was not some fancy thing that we did. It was not because we in ourselves contain anything special or have any kind of powers. But no, we serve a God who this is what he does. He takes things that are broken and he makes them whole. He takes people who are hurting and he brings healing. He takes people who are mourning and turns their mourning into rejoicing. Like this is what he does. This is who he is. This is what he came to do. Because in the aftermath of mankind choosing to sin and break everything in his mercy and goodness and grace, God said, I will not leave it that way. I will send a solution in the form of my son who will sacrifice himself so that these people who are broken can be made whole. And then when he did it, he charged us with the responsibility of letting other people know about it. And on this day, the day of Pentecost, is when he gave us everything that we would need to make it happen, his Holy Spirit. Any and everything else is just a tool. I'm grateful for the tools and technology we've had in this season. I'm grateful that I get to look into a camera and know that there are people all over the world hearing the truth that we're bringing today. I'm grateful for all the other tools that we have, but I'm also very aware of where our dependence lies the Holy Spirit of God that gives us everything that we need. So yeah, our hearts are heavy today. And we look out in our world and we pick up our phones and we scroll through our feeds and we see all the brokenness, we see all the pain, we see all the hurting, we see all these things and we wonder, I don't know how, but I know who. 
what's the solution to all the brokenness? What's the solution? Jesus is. Jesus is. Jesus is. Whatever the question is in your heart, whatever that's keeping you broken, what, the answer to your hatred that you need to wrestle with and deal with, how do you fix that hatred? How does that get resolved? Jesus. How do we get the power to overcome the hypocrisy in our lives and live consistently and represent him well constantly? Jesus, in us, through us, for us. It is in his name, through his name, by his name, for his name, with his name, that anything good will ever happen in this world. And you, believer, you claim that name, you associate yourself with who he is, it's your responsibility to represent him well everywhere you go. And for those of you out there who are watching this and you've seen and heard and watched people under the label of Christian spread hate and hypocrisy, I'm sorry. Don't give up on Jesus because some of us have not represented him well because he's the only thing that will ever heal your heart, make you whole and give you purpose. Let's pray together. Father, on this Pentecost Sunday, Lord, we ask your spirit fall. Fall on us. Empower us. Strengthen us. Heal us. God, you have chosen us to be the instruments. God, you gave the solution, but we're the vehicle. You wanna use our actions and our words, our lives to speak hope and life into people who are looking, searching for something. God, help us to be a better part of the solution instead of the problem. Help us to be instruments of the answer and not instigators of the problem. God, may it start with me. God, help us to be the salt and light that you told us we were supposed to be. That your church exists to make things better and brighter. And right now, things are dark. And the world needs you. And therefore, the world needs us to represent you well. And God, we can't do that without your spirit. So help us open ourselves up because God, we just want to point people towards you, to lift up your name. That is it in the name of Jesus that we are made whole. So God, help us to wrestle. Help us to do some internal investigation, to look into our own lives and think about what we need to do different, what we need to be different. God, we will never do anything different until we become something different. And that starts with you working in our hearts. God, have your way in us. And God, as we worship you now, God, I pray that the people in the room and the people watching online, that this is not where we hit pause 
or we stop and we just think about moving on to the next thing. But God, right here's where the work is done. Where it gets personal. God, change us that we might be the change that our world desperately needs. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. We hope that what you experience today inspires you to live and love like Jesus. Stay connected with what's happening at Vintage and grow deeper in your faith by downloading the Vintage Church app. Through this app, you have access to sermon notes, upcoming events, devotionals, additional podcasts, and discover ways to connect in community. You can easily download our app by going to app.vintagechurch.net. We hope you join us again soon.